CKUT 90.3 FM and the internet bring you another episode of Finn's Montreal Dancing Diaries, Indian Dance. Let me begin by stating that dancing is huge and ancient in Indian culture, and my practical exposure to this large collection of traditions is limited to an hour and a half long interclass given by the classically trained dancer and teacher Amrita. For myself and most of the 20 or so participants of this free trial class, we were getting a first taste of a tradition of movement known only to us through photo stills and Bollywood flicks. Coming from European folk dancing and North American styles, I've often struggled to understand an aesthetic that combines angularity and stiff postures with graceful isolations and rotations in such an unfamiliar way. Besides this ignorance of the dance culture, Indian music is similarly interesting but confusing and the relationship between the two is a mystery. Amrita teaches a few different forms, and this free lesson offered to give participants an idea of what might be learned in a normal series of classes. She introduces Orisi, one of the nine styles of classical Indian dance, as well as an energetic mixture of folk, gypsy, and Bollywood. Following some introductory explanations of the class, we begin with a warm-up of Follow the Leader through stretches and our opening salutations. As an example of how this form of dance involves more than body positions, consider the implication of starting each day's practice with acknowledgments to the gods, the earth, and the people of the world, creating a prayerful space to develop beautiful expression. Having put ourselves in context, we began to work on technique. Amrita explained that this class was just to get a taste, rather than develop in detail, these styles of dancing. And so we were given a lot to try, rather than a little to perfect. Like Western classical dance, the language and style of Orisi is heavily formalized, where each position is imbued with meaning. Meaning of dance, for me at least, dance has to have a purpose, movement of dance. Uh, it's okay technically to do stuff, but if there's a purpose, then the body really feels it, and then the spirit really feels it, and the whole being feels it. So that's why the mudras, which are the hand gestures, and the body positions, and the history behind it, and all the stories that we transmit through it, gives it a purpose. And the purpose can be related to anything in life, anything that, you know, your, any desire that you have, joy, passion, ecstasy, sorrow, poverty, it can be political, social, uh, cultural, spiritual, um, any aspect of life. Starting with the mudras, hand positions, and some typical body postures and feet positions, we strung together some sequences of Orisi dancing, each expressing some narrative. Amrita explains how this dance form is its own language. Her fluency is evident when watching her explain these and other ideas, where her words are regularly embodied by her actions, dancing through her ideas before us. To use your whole body to express some idea, 
You need to be motivated by a clear intention to dance with your heart, as Amrita says. This unity and intensity of expression is often a struggle for experienced dancers that are used to moving their bodies despite whatever is on their minds. <laughs> I've had lots of dancers uh, from different places, Le Grand Ballet Canadien, uh, professional jazz dancers, uh, professional ballet dancers, flamenco dancers, uh, uh, various other uh, ballroom dancers and all that. Uh, but when they come to the class, it's, it's a different psychology and philosophy of dancing, okay? Everything else is very important, technique is important and everything else. But to actually dance from really, from the root of who you are, from within, is what they have the most problem with, <laughs> which cannot be described technically. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is no technique <laughs> for that. Uh -huh. But they catch up. To actually feel delight when practicing the physical expression of it requires a very different kind of discipline than I'm used to, to say the least. Developing the ability to fully intend your motions and dancing expression is a great asset to performers and one of the founding principles of Yoga of Dance, a program developed by Amrita to help people realize the connections between yoga and dance. I, I looked around and I saw that um there's a lot of yoga here, and a lot of dance, and but the intention of yoga is missing in a lot of places, and uh, it's become physical exercise now. And uh, the visualization, the breath, what each posture means, where the energy is coming from, a simple uh, like a tree position, you know, to visualize the sap coming, making your roots strong. With that position and breathing. So, the intention of yoga, which is truly using your body, mind, and spirit, all to do each posture, you know, um, and dance, which was the same intention. Um, with my Indian tradition, it goes back thousands of years. Both had similar roots, spiritually, technically, and, uh, and um, philosophy wise. So I wanted to bring that ancient form of wisdom back to a more contemporary society. So I created Yoga of Dance, because yoga is dance, and dance is yoga in the philosophy, you know, and technically that's exactly true. Uh, and that's how I created the course, and it's a foundation, it's a base actually, why we dance, how we dance, what we through the warm-up, salutations, and beginning postures, I could relate the gracefulness of these motions to the sustained, endless quality of the music, but I couldn't place the relationship in time. Where was the beat? Well, apparently, the beat goes in the feet. Having developed some of the top half, it was time to learn how to step. Throughout the segment, you can hear a jangle, sometimes sharp, sometimes soft. Emerita and one experienced student wore gurus, bells attached to a cuff tied around each angle. While the upper body floats to suggest continuity, the feet step and stomp within time, adding another layer of percussion and bringing in temporal definition to the seamless sequences of head, hand, and shoulder positions. Following our attempt at the older, more formal dance form, we turned our attention to the mixture of styles, Bollywood, folk, and gypsy. This is the stuff that I'd seen in films, with large teams of dancers and the great dancing queens of Bollywood. 
With the bits we had covered in the first dancing section, we just let loose and tried to keep up, following as closely as possible the bouncing shoulders, full body size, and flicking feet. While the earlier material was challenging to get precise, this set was a cardiovascular workout. Dancing with your heart was both easier and harder when the pace picked up. You don't have time to think, and the energy you pour into each motion adds momentum to the next, but it's easy to slack, and in the process, miss out on the fun. In the time remaining, we didn't look much at technique, in part because the gestures of the Bollywood Plus styles are usually performed by dancers that have studied quite a number of the classical dances and other forms to have such precision and breadth of vocabulary. The range of movements humans are capable of performing is huge, practically infinite, but we come to be familiar with some subset of these options for communication and practice. Even within the range of dancing I've attempted, it seems like the set of motions that make up traditional oisi and the mixture of Bollywood gypsy dancing were pretty far from my usual set of postures and motions. Yeah. These kind of movements were very natural in many cultures, you know, using the whole body, mind, and spirit, and soul, and really dancing from your spirit. But it's been lost. We've forgotten about it. One particular insight for torso motions in this style was shifting the focus from hip motions to that of the ribcage. In belly dancing and a lot of Latin dance forms, motions of the torso are usually led by the hip. You think about where you're placing the outside of your hips, jutting out or rotating, for example, and the rest of the attached body parts follow. In the positions demonstrated by Amrita, we saw that while some poses could be interpreted from the hips as they bring them into prominence, the focus was instead on the position of the upper torso, or ribcage, above the hips. Here, the hip jutting was actually a consequence of moving the torso to the side and settling it firmly some centimeters over from the usual balanced position. If you consider moving the torso instead of the hips, this has implications for your upper legs, which can stay in place against such motions, and the head and shoulders now can be moved together in isolation. This might sound like a slight technical detail, but the effect was quite noticeable and hugely stylistic. Participants of the trial were very inspired, eager to keep learning. I too found it hard not to sign up for more as the experience was very refreshing and invigorating. Hopefully I can keep working at dancing with my whole being and the other forms that I come across. Even in producing the segment, the memory and sounds of this lesson were common and harmonizing. Amrita offers intensive courses on weekends throughout the year, working around her touring schedule as a professional dancer and teacher. I don't know how many teachers of Indian dance are in Montreal, but for the curious to see some of what it looks like, you can check out her website. www.anda-amrita.com my thanks to Zeke, who let me know about this opportunity, and Anita, who was wonderful to watch, learn from, and talk to. Until next time, this is Finn, bowing out. <laughs>